Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Last Friday, the football world was shocked to learn that Jurgen Klopp will leave his job as Liverpool manager at the end of the season. We responded in the only way we know how, by putting out an emergency podcast for our World Service members. This week, we turned our gaze forward to what happens next and who will fill the shoes of this legendary figure. Welcome, hey Murph. Hey, on, how's it going? On the pitch, Liverpool were imperious against Chelsea last night and Kenneth had a lot to say about their new star, the Northern Ireland international, Connor Bradley, who is sure to be a key player. Both for Northern Ireland, Perf. For Northern Ireland, and, yes, and for Liverpool. For Liverpool, for Klopp's yep. successor. Who that successor could be and how Liverpool move on to a new era is something we discussed in depth with Rory Smith of the New York Times. I actually asked someone who used to work at Liverpool this the other day and their answer tallied with what I thought, which is always nice. Um, I, am, I have no idea how you choose a sporting director because even with the manager, so apparently like running the data analysis, everyone said, oh, the, the, Liverpool have run the data on managers. That's notoriously difficult. That's kind of the gold standard of of data department stuff is how do you actually separate a manager's actual effect from all of the noise around it? So quality of players, environment, you know, inju- luck with injuries, all that stuff. How do you actually say this manager is overperforming and it's because of it's because of them? And obviously I've seen a lot of people talk about, oh well, Xabi Alonso does this in possession and does you know, does that out of possession. That means he wouldn't be suitable for Liverpool. And you think do you have any idea how good these footballers are? Like, I'm sure if you say to Dominic Sobbers, like, stand on the left, he can probably do it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not... It, I think that aspect of it is massively overblown. Yeah. Obviously, Liverpool aren't going to go and get, although actually, narratively, it would work brilliantly, Jose Mourinho oh, yeah. to stand in for Klopp. They're going to get someone who plays front foot attacking football. But the, the idea that tweaking that somehow would be impossible stylistically is just bollocks. Yeah, it's just yeah, complete yeah. overblown pretentious bullshit and it really annoys me yeah well well i mean there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there uh Rory. i mean it's as though chabby alonso would look at say the third goal last night and think i'm not sure about this you know look at all these long yeah. balls van dyke and then this cross and then someone just heads it in oh, there'll be no more of that you know yeah we're not but, doing that we do, we've got to rotate through the thirds it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's nonsense it's complete outsider that sounds really damning but it's it's 
yeah, it has no grounding in reality. But are you saying the, really that is? Does this boil down to this is a, this is kind of a shot in the dark? Like I saw, for for example, Billy Hogan, uh, the the CEO, sitting next to Klopp, uh, looking a bit uh, a little bit rabbit in the headlights, not used to this type of uh, attention, I suppose. This was last week, but um, he said, you know, we will follow the process, the process that brought us uh, Jurgen. And I thought, what? <laughs> the, pro- the process. Like, Klopp was by far the outstanding manager, the, the outstanding available manager in Europe at the time they hired him. Like, uh, you know, Jamie Carragher was saying, oh, give it to Klopp within, like, seconds of hearing there was a job of it. You know what I mean? It, it was, was seen like, as something of a coup He was, managed to get Jurgen Klopp. It, like, the process, like, anyone, t- with, you know, who, who had the, any interest in football would have been like, well, this guy seems good. You know what I mean? You didn't have to sort of analyze any data. You know, if if you look, it wasn't like you got Roberto De Zerbi, for example, or somebody who. Yeah, or, uh, I mean, to be fair, the, the thing that and Ken, I agree with you completely. But the the one thing that they did have to do was trying to work out what happened in Klopp's final season at Dortmund, just that that had been disappointing, and that was where the data came in. And Ian Graham, famously, it's a story that's been told a million times, said, "Look, if you look at the underlying numbers of these performances, basically what happened is Dortmund were really unlucky." particularly in the first half of the season, then they rallied in the second. Things reverted to the mean. The form was really good. They finished seventh, but the you know the, the bad luck had, had cost them early in the season, and that was what kind of swung it towards Klopp and away from Ancelotti. But yeah, I agree with you. He His body of work spoke for itself. There was no question that he was the, the manager you go and got, or you had to go and get at that stage. Ancelotti's a different type of manager. Ancelotti's brilliant, but he's not necessarily a club builder in that sense. I think the complication now, there's probably two, one is that you there, there will be a temptation to go and get someone who's a bit like Klopp. And the best example of that is Posta Kodlu. And as much as I, as, as I, like everybody else, love Ange, I think there's a risk that he'd be seen as a bit of a kind of Aldi middle-aisle version of Klopp. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, do, do, you mean, do, you mean he, do you mean to say that he's like Klopp in a sort of a personal sense? Yeah, he's, he's similarly like he's got the same sort of social conscience. He's got the same bond, desire to build a bond with the community and with the fan base. I think he's very, he's very likable. And I think he's a really good manager. He's got this sort of, this, this pure ideological style of football that, that fans respond to, but it, but is flawed. And if you look at Klopp over the course of his time at Liverpool, he has amended it a bit. He's always been much more flexible than people give him credit for. But the other issue I think is almost more interesting, which is that and I spoke to Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap about this a little while ago, um, just to, to just in case there's a Venn diagram of people who listen to both. And it's Neil's thought, I can't really take credit for it. If you look at 2004, when Liverpool appointed Benitez, there were several outstanding candidates around Europe who were the up-and-coming managers, Rafa, Mourinho, Deschamps. Ten years on, it was the same. that You know, you had Klopp emerging, you had Tuchel starting to emerge, you had Luis Enrique at Barcelona. It did feel as though there was a, a crop of managers arising. I think the problem now is that it's so stratified that it's really hard for Liverpool in the position they are, which is now not an underdog, not really. They are, as you say, like the second favourite in England to say, well, who is, whose experience at Stuttgart or at Nice or at wherever, Atalanta, wherever it might be, whose experience is relevant to what we need? So if you look around, there are some really talented young coaches. Sebastian Hernes has done a great job at Stuttgart. Farioli's doing a great job at Nice. Ruben Amorim at Sporting. But those clubs are not similar in terms of their environment to Liverpool in the way that Dortmund 2015 was to Liverpool 2015. The Premier League has got far more money, it's got much bigger squads, much greater ego within those squads. So I think it makes it much harder to say that talented young coach can translate their 
experiences their success to this environment here, which is elite, effectively. And that's why, to me, and this isn't just a fan romantic in me talking, I think you actually have to look at something a little bit more ineffable as the defining thing that Liverpool need, which is something that will continue the momentum, something that will you know allow the fans to believe, something that will allow the new manager to establish a bond with the supporters that is different to the one Klopp had. And that means, to me, basically, you basically have to say, it's going to be Xabi Alonso or we're going to do everything we can to make it Xabi Alonso despite the relative lack of experience. Because he already has that bond with the club, is that what you're saying? It kind of changes the story around it. Because Alonso, yeah, he's only it's only two years that he's been at, at Labour 2 and it looks like he's done lots of clever things. He, he clearly is a very smart, very affable, very kind of charismatic presence. Those are all important things that can be quantified. But I think you have to go and get someone who, who is immediately different to Klopp. So the other one that I think is, has a really strong case is Thomas Frank. I think Thomas Frank would be a very Liverpool appointment. It might be a Liverpool 2015 appointment rather than a Liverpool 2024 appointment. But Frank would be seen as kind of very much in the shadow of Klopp, whereas Alonso, I think, has a light of his own because of his previous his previous relationship with the club, his previous sort of existence as a player. But the really difficult thing for me and the fascinating thing for me is that Strictly speaking, your sporting director should lead that search. Mm. But Liverpool's sporting director at the moment is Jörg Schmadke. I think he finishes work tomorrow. Mm. Schmadke was brought in basically as a deal doer. He wasn't the kind of club vision guy. He was the the personal shopper who you went and who went and did the deals for Klopp and for the data department. I don't think it's the case at all that Klopp has had this complete overweening power over everything. I think anyone who's ever done any sort of studying of Jurgen Klopp as a person would know that he's not really interested in that. It's not like he's saying, get that guy, get that guy, get that guy. Like there's people feeding into him still. Um, Schmanker was the guy who they sent out to actually make the phone calls and stuff. But they need to appoint the person who will oversee that process. And I don't know how you choose that person because how if you can't separate a manager's effect from all of the other kind of contextual contingencies around them, how the hell do you do that for a sporting director? You know, this Marcus Kroescher at Eintracht Frankfurt is very well thought of. But how on earth can you tell if if he can sign players at the level that Liverpool need as opposed to the level that Frankfurt need? How can you tell how much of his success is down to the managers he's chosen and them overperforming? How much is it down to, you know, one player in particular doing really, really well? There's so many factors that go into making a sporting director a success, one of which is the type of club they are at. I don't know how you go and pick somebody to do that, it strikes me as being really difficult. But you need to make that choice before you make the manager choice. Come on now, all you Liverpool fans listening. You know you want maximum Klopp content mm. for the next few months. Why not sign up to the World Service for the rest of the season and then take stock? Or how about this? Just as long as Liverpool remain in contention for any of the major trophies, which I'm going to predict is right at the end of the four. season. Quadruple. No, as no, long no, as everyone Don't say do that, it. because then what if they get knocked out of one and somebody has signed up and said, oh, Murph said that I should probably clock well, out listen, If thing. people want to come, come, come back at me on that, then that's fair enough. At least they'll have signed up. At least they'll have given good it business. a try. Got on. a good business nose, Murph. Well, get them signed up and then take it from there. Know, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, you're right. You, you know, we can't reach into these lads' pockets either. It's like, you know what I mean? We like, probably should be having these strategy meetings off air, Murph, no, rather than um, <laughs> when we're here recording the, the transparency is <laughs> yeah, yeah, part, yeah. Of the, part of the deal. It's part of the charm. All right, secondcams.com, five euro a month plus VAT. It is Six Nations time and this one was preceded by a glitzy Netflix documentary series. Well, we've had horses in the family a long, long time. A horse knows what mood you're in. At times, you're... Uh, Absolutely knackered with rugby. Alright, you've been absolutely 
raging with your day or whatever, and then you go up to the stables and never did I think shoveling shit would be enjoyable, but it is. It's a release. They did really well to get Stuart Hogg to agree to record those horsey sound effects. Mm. The whinnying. That was Just Finn Hogg. Russell. That, that was Finn Russell in the background. That would have been the a wee man from Hoyk. <laughs> He's it's a blizzard when they're out there Filing the pill Ruining the corners That's a bit like what Hogg's dad sounds like actually yeah. Hogg's dad has an amazing Scottish Scott accent he um, did. He I mean really he is did. a Scotsman He's absolutely entitled to have an amazing Scottish accent He's in the cheap seats with the rest of us now though And of course Indeed Hogg, Hogg, As are many of the other stars But Shane Horgan still very much looking forward to this year's Six Nations Here he is on whether or not France are the best team in the world Regardless of what happened at the World Cup Well they're Yes, I'm going to say yes and no because they're, they're they're capable, I think, of playing the highest standard of rugby in the world. I think they can play on, you know, if they played to their maximum and South Africa played to their maximum, I think France just edges because of the, of the way that they play rugby. Now, I think it's more difficult for France to deliver their maximum than it is for South Africa to deliver their maximum and South Africa are better at delivering their maximum mm. than France. So, and, you know, for the reasons we saw at the World Cup, are they a team that would potentially, you know, be, uh, you know, uh, could be France, all those things, yes. But the, you know, the highest capacity rugby team in the world, um, I thought, you know, right away through the, up to the World Cup um, was, was France. What's your prediction for this game, Shane? It's exceptionally difficult for Ireland to win this game uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, France are so hurt, so hurt from the this uh, from the World Cup. I, I can't tell you. Um, I was with um, Ben Kayser a couple of days ago, and he was you know really you know, telling me that that um, there there were players were like sort of locking themselves away, like literally crying for days, and on in the opportunity that was missed. Um, so there is, you know, a, a huge emotional element to this that I think while Ireland players were frustrated, um, you know, we did get that narrative of we lost, but we won. That wasn't the case for France. Let me tell you, they lost and they lost. And, and in some ways they, they were, you know, they were humiliated in, in, in not getting to a, um, a semi-final of, in, in their own World Cup with the expectations so high. So there is an added element of... Um, of uh, emotion for this to them. If you look at their pack, you know, they've gone 6-2. That is very, there's some very, very big units to come on. It's always exceptionally difficult to win away in France. It's more difficult to win away in the south of France. I think there's going to be a, a, a massively hostile uh, environment for, for Ireland players to, to play due, in. Due to be dry yeah. weather as well. Yeah, as such that they they won't have maybe have experienced anything like it before. I'd say it could be something like that, and um, there'll be a violence to the uh, the performance with France, and there will be um, it will be difficult for any referee to to manage that level. That, that of, can work to our, in our favor as well. I I, I think it, I think it's going to be intimidating, not just for the Irish players. It'll be intimidating for the for the referee as well. You're right. There could be you know if one boils over the top, someone throws a punch, someone puts a you know mm. a stood on someone's head. You know that's where maybe there there is the, the the other flip of the coin. But um, even without Dupont and the few other changes that uh, have been enforced, um, I, I think it's exceptionally difficult for for Ireland to win the game and. You know, if they don't win it, it's it's not a disaster. You know, it's not it's not terrible. I mean, but there will be sort of key ind- indicators of of things that we would want to get right or be positive or see progress. And you know, we don't want to get pumped. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What does it look like? A turtle, is it? Yobs. There's an incredible podcast on at the moment produced by the second captains. Biggest load of bollocks. The second captain's show in Ireland. We're now getting to that point now where we are inspiring. The second captain's podcast. Pretty much we've done for the last 20 years. Be role models to kids. Hey, Pat, do you want to split? If you listen to Monday's football podcast, you would have heard Ken's reviews of the reviews of the Belfast drinking establishments where Marcus Rashford spent mm-hmm. much of last week. And so, a new slot has been born. I did one of my favourite things in the world, which is to go and look at the Google reviews and then look at the one-star reviews from all the mad people. This is totally unnecessary and extremely disrespectful, or even bullying. We got two tickets with my friend. The ticket said, doors open at 8 o'clock. This is a nightclub, by the way. (laughs) We travelled all the way to get there, and we arrived at 8.15 to be told, we'll open at 9 o'clock. Not even a sorry for this. We came there at approximately... 10 to 9 to kindly ask if we could enter but the bouncers told us that it was not 9 o'clock yet and we had to wait until 9 o'clock so we waited patiently without bothering them. very bad experience an absolute disgrace at 20.59 at 20.59 we walked to the door and said can we enter now the bouncer looked at me and said you are annoying me you are not getting in you have got an attitude this is a one star review absolutely disgusting behaviour and it was clear they were the ones with a very bad attitude Yes, we're encouraging World Service members to keep an eye out for one-star Google reviews. Indeed, any reviews, and send them in to us. Largely because of how much you enjoyed Ken on Monday there, Murph. Just listening back. His delivery was very good, but, I mean, the actual review was Spoke one for of the themselves. most deranged Spoke things for I've itself, ever heard. Yeah. All that and our weekly January slash early February slot with US Murph going on at the moment, whose 49ers are in the Super Bowl after their comeback win against the Detroit Lions. Post-game analysis provided a good moment with George Kittle, the irrepressible Niner tight end who's just so entertaining. And by the way, it was pile-driving Aiden Hutchinson on the off the line of scrimmage last night. Um, he gave a little speech about how that fourth-and-two play that Dan Campbell went for and failed 
gave the 49ers the momentum. And then he stopped in the middle of his sentence and said, do analytics guys really not believe in momentum? And he said, that's a load of crap. He said, so, I mean, because you do hear that. Analytics guys will tell you, well, this is the math play. This is the decision. This is the analytics. And I would tell you, there's a couple things going on there. Number one, moment, George Kittle says momentum is real. And you talked about the crowd and talked about the energy changing. And that he said, that's human beings now. Human beings playing a game is different than, well, we made this 17 out of 20 times during the regular season, which is what they did. They made it 17 out of 20 times on fourth and three during the regular season. But I go like to my beloved baseball analogies, and we had two different Giants World Series experiences where in 2002, the Giants blew a huge World Series opportunity when their manager, Dusty Baker, played the game, he managed the game, his pitching sequence exactly as he had done all year, and they lost in tragic fashion because one of the pitchers was exhausted. Whereas Bruce Bochy in 2014 completely threw the book out the window and went with what he thought was right at the time. He brought in Madison Bumgarner for this five-inning save that goes down in lore forever that had never happened. So it's an interesting study of two different managers who one said, "I'm da- the old phrase that we have here in the States, dance with the girl that brung you. And and so it's like, I used to get confused. What do you mean, the girl that brung you? Wait, anyway, but uh, my dad explained it to me when I was young. Be who you are. Whereas Dan Campbell did that versus what I learned is, is the scoreboard should tell you what you should do. What's the score? What quarter is it? What's the down? What's the distance? How much time left in the game? What's the situation? Instead of like, this is who we are. You would say, well, this is who we are in the NFC Championship on the road with a chance to go up 17. So, I mean, obviously it's hindsight, 2020, blah, blah, blah. But I was saying it at the time, man, if you kick that field goal, you go up three because then you give the opportunity for the Niners to get that 51 yard. And I'm going to go ahead and take exception with all that quote unquote should have been an interception. That was a 51 yard pass that was arcing high in the sky to a guy who was falling backwards. It wasn't the easiest interception <laughs> in the world. So it went off his face. And I want to give Brandon, I, the Brandon Ayuk uh, catch. I said this on the radio today. I said the old line about Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did backwards and in heels. Uh, it's like he had to pluck that ball off of a face mask in the air while he was falling to the ground with his team season in the balance. So I just had to just marvel at the elite hand-eye coordination and poise of a flying Brandon Ayuk, uh, a Barishnikov in the air to catch it which changed everything, as you pointed out. Of course, that only makes it 24-17. Then the real changer was when the very next play, the first play of the Lions' next drive, the Niners actually puncture that unpenetrable Lions offensive line and rip the ball out of Jameer Gibbs' hand for the fumble. That really changed because then the Niners. Then Purdy with the two scrambles, the one to set up the 24-24 game, and then the legendary one, with four and a half minutes to go in the game, that sets up the 34-24. So momentum, human beings, right? Human (laughs) beings in the cauldron of drama, right? This is why we do it, right? It's not robots. It's not computers. It's it's these great, fallible humans in these moments. And uh, it's so... It's what makes it so thrilling and why, like I said, pretty much about 100 million million Americans were probably tuned in by the end of that game. U.S. Murph, the next time we speak to him will be in Las Vegas. Murphy's going to Vegas for the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. So for that Super Bowl preview, for all the best Six Nations chat and full coverage of the Jurgen Klopp farewell tour. Wow. 
Please become a member today. You'll also be supporting independent journalism and you'll get all episodes without any ads. I think we've done what, we've done all we can, Murph. It's over to the non-members now. It's in, it's in your hands now. Yobs. <laughs> Again, no, no that's we're not, not good. going to call... I'm pinning that one on Simon. Potential customers. Yobs. Didn't even hear that second. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm happy glad. enough not I'm to I'm glad I didn't hear yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Second Captain's Podcast is part... Of the ACAST Creator Network. Of the ACAST Creator Network. Yobs. The second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important.